Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, and it's Free for All Friday. How's it going? It's going all right. Awesome. Oh, well. Awesome. Yeah. How you doing? You got this uh, Mountain Dew. What is this? It's like orange. What is this? It's orange. It's an orange Mountain Dew. Hmm. It's pretty oh, good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But you were cutting out sugar. And then I started drinking Mountain Dews. You started. <laughs> well, at least it's the healthy kind of sugar. <laughs> right. Yeah. At least it's the good kind with nothing else weird in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we are, uh, it's Free For All Friday, and we're uh, continuing our series that we started a, a couple of weeks ago on, um, I don't know, what are we calling this? Most uh, abused Bible Most verses, abused something like that. Bible verses, misused Bible verses. We started with uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and, and don't judge. Mm-hmm. Today we got, a, we got a goodie yeah, uh, for everybody, but before we get into it, I've been told that I have to show you this. Okay. I wasn't going to show it to you on the podcast, but uh, people wanted to see your uh, your reaction. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so I've, I've got it, it's a uh, it's a brochure, it's a little pamphlet that mm. we got in the mail. Oh. <clears throat> I took I took pictures of uh, the important parts so I can show it on the screen for everybody. But people kept asking, "Have you shown Jay? Have you shown Jay?" <laughs> so I'm going to show you this i'll show you this jay <laughs> but you gotta you gotta take it slow so i can show stuff up on the screen okay uh, right, but right, people right. want to see your your expression so this is this is from an evangelist okay. uh so i'll i'll uh let me see if i can pop it up there okay this is from evangelist keith fordham i don't know who this guy is uh it's funny this uh this was sent to cash road baptist church <laughs> wow which this that was the name of the the church in this building when it first was founded, but it hasn't been called that. It hadn't been called that for like 10 years before I got here, and I've been here a little over eight years. Yeah. So someone is, I don't know how they're still even finding this, that name. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hand you the I'll hand you the pamphlet. Oh this is this is the front of it. No, 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 don't uh, don't open it yet. Okay. <laughs> because people want to see your they want to see your reaction. So if you pop over to Jay. So I open it this direction? You pop you you open it like a book. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> There's no way this is real. You made this. I didn't make this. You and Philip made this. I, we did not. <laughs> oh, uh, this man. is what this is what Jay saw when he opened up the uh, opened up the pamphlet. This is this is a very first this is a very first thing you see when you open it up. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's unbelievable. All right, you got to put it up on the screen. This is the first thing that Jay saw when he opened up this uh, this evangelist pamphlet. What in the world? Oh my god! Homer the puppet. Uh, But uh, did you notice the the bottom left? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness! Uh, This is the full page. Oh wow! Uh, Shirley travels with Keith to keep him straight. And then there's uh, <sighs> then there's one more there's one more puppet. Yeah. This is uh 
they see they think they're going spreading joy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just like a good four years of nightmares for kids. <laughs> <laughs> After this, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's always the uh, there's always the the risk that when we show something and laugh at something like this, people are going to get upset. Ah, they're just trying to do evangelism work. Uh, but we would say maybe don't use the puppets. Yeah, yeah, don't, no, no need. <laughs> just uh, go preach. Just preach, preach the gospel. He's going yeah. to preach till he drops. Preach till he drops. We'll that's just... what it. Uh, yeah, that's what it said. I I just thought it was funny that that's the very first thing that you see when you open it up is uh, this puppet. Yeah, a, a better slogan would be "Drop the puppets," then preach till you drop. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I I just can't like I I try to like figure out like okay, let's pretend I'm this guy. How does it become a good idea? It used, I, I to, it used to be a big puppets used to be a big deal in all these Baptist churches. Yeah. Uh I remember the church I grew up in had a whole room with puppets with puppets. Did they do puppet shows for you? Uh yeah. Did they were they like life changing and shaping? They were not. Oh. They're pretty cool, cool looking puppets, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, uh, there used to be some puppets up here and we never had any puppet shows while I was here, but the evidence was, was here that they, they used to do puppet shows cause there were a couple of puppets. Yeah. I don't know what happened to those puppets. Yeah. They were in Philip's office and then he moved and I don't know. They probably got tossed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It used to be a big deal for, uh, churches to do puppet shows. It's like kids, uh, kids evangelism or something. Or is it everybody? Everybody goes to the puppet. You have to fill me in because I uh, this is not my world. Um, it was usually just the kids because uh, we had we had kids church, we had children's church uh, growing up, and they would have a puppet stage and they'd have puppet shows. But I'm sure that there's, oh, without a doubt, there are churches that do puppet shows in the in the service for everybody. Hmm. Absolutely. I'm just trying to kind of think through it. You think the idea is kids can't pay attention, but puppets help them to like pay attention. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And then they'll hear the gospel. That's the, that's their hope, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I, my first kind of thought is like, if, if a kid needs that to listen to the gospel, maybe the kid's not old enough to to profess faith in Christ yet. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe. I think that we dumb things down. Yeah. Often. I mean there's we we don't want to communicate but we'll we will like you go to kids Sunday school here on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. and they're not teaching the kids like the adults. Right. There is, there are levels. Um, but I think sometimes we can dumb it down like the, like we don't have puppet shows. Right. Um, kids are not stupid. <laughs> you know, mm. kids, kids are smart 
and uh, they can they can understand the message. They can, yeah, yeah. So, all right, it's one of the shows. That, that was too. pretty people, wild, man. People were asking yeah. there. It was a. Uh, it's a nice uh, members members request. It had to cost. It had to have cost a lot of money to send this, though, George. This is yeah. That's pretty nice printing. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. Even though you know the images aren't the out. Not marketing person didn't put this together, but I mean, it had to cost a lot. To, mm-hmm. it, I'm sure thousands of people got that. Oh yeah, would be my guess. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe we just need to reach out to this brother here and be like, hey, you could reach way more people on on like uh, YouTube for kids. You don't know if he doesn't have a YouTube channel. YouTube for kids, and then you can do the puppet show. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Full-time evangelist. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to transition into. I don't either. <laughs> what we're talking about today? Maybe this. From, from maybe the here's the transition. America has a f- strange form of Christianity. We have like this. That works. Our, we have this, uh, <laughs> like American. There is an American Westernized form of Christianity uh-huh. that has like many, like things that are said and done with good intentions. Like the, the verse we're going to deal with today. I think some people are just outright manipulators when it comes to using this verse, but I think some people like genuinely believe this verse is for them when they say it. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes like a like a lot of people's life verses, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about what verse it is and then we can show we can show some clips. We've got some yeah. clips of people talking about this verse. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. If you have your Bible, that's what we're gonna do, uh, deal with. I'll just read that. Yeah. By itself, uh-huh. and then I, of course we'll we'll deal with the context. Right. Context is actually super easy to see. Oh yeah. You just start reading in verse one. Well, and I think, and even well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we have as we get into. Okay, so here's the verse. You guys probably know it already. The favorite of politicians, isn't it? I think this is the politicians' favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Some say prosper <clears throat> you. That's that's usually the way people read it. Mm-hmm. Plans to prosper you. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got I've got some clips. Okay. Uh, from some different people talking about it. I'll, I'll start with this one. This is uh, Nick V. I cannot remember how he pronounces his last name. Uh, he's a travel. He he goes around and, and speaks. He's uh, you'll probably recognize him. He doesn't have uh, he doesn't have arms or legs, um, but he goes around and he. Oh, okay. I know. I know. You know, you're talking you, about. You know yeah. that you'll, you'll recognize him. Uh, nothing. Nothing. I mean, I. He's just talking about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Right. And so, um, this this isn't to uh, like attack anyone personally. It's just to kind of give kind of a survey of the landscape. Of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in popular interpretation. Yeah. Right. All right. So here's a uh, here's Nick V, uh, and he's talking about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 
Oh. Hi, I hope you're having a great day, and I've got a really cool announcement to make. These posts on social media, we actually want to try something a little bit new. Uh, moving forward, we would actually love to share the verses that really speak to me and Im are important for me to hopefully inspire you in your faith walk with God. And so each video now, we're going to be opening up with the verse of the day. And today, I want to talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now look, I want you to know that God does have a plan for each and every one of us. And when I was born, I'm sure that my parents can't even describe in words how they really felt when they saw their limbless son being born. How could God ever use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet? How could God ever use a shepherd boy, David, to be king? Well, I just want you to know that no matter who you are and no matter where, where you are, what you're going through, what struggles you've experienced, God has a wonderful plan for you and He can take your broken pieces and do something beautiful in your life. You know, as I've gone around the world, um, I, I, I have met one person who's looking for hope, love, joy, and peace. And even though at times we don't see or feel that there is a hope for our life, and even for me at age 10, to a point of trying to commit suicide. I never thought that a loving God really had a plan for me. But guess what? He did. And as I took one step at a time saying, God, if you do have a plan for me, I want to know what your plan is. I don't want my plan. I want your plan. I don't want to live in my strength. I want your strength. Not the best future I can think of, but God, what's the future that you have for me? And I just hope that my smile and my life story can encourage you to know that God has a plan for you. If God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then God can certainly use any willing heart. I love you so much. Check it out and maybe even memorize this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. All right. Hi, uh, I hope you have. There you go. So that's <clears throat> um, that's a that's a pretty common, yeah. I think uh, interpretation of mm -hmm. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Um, got uh, got. Uh, let's see, which one do we want to pull up? Oh, here's one. Uh, this is Doctor Miles Monroe, and this guy is talking to Benny Hinn. Oh, I was going to say, I never heard of this. <clears> he doesn't actually mention Jeremiah 29 11, but the clip itself has under it Jeremiah 29 11. And okay. he's, he's, he's kind of talking. He's about communicating the idea yeah. that uh, you'd probably expect from, from someone like this. So here's, here's another one is, is distraction. Well, how true that is. Satan is afraid of you pursuing your destiny. So what he does is he sets up distractions to take you off course. Mm. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, it's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It says, for he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Yeah. And then it says in verse 11, he also predestined you according to the plan of him yeah. who works out all things according to the purpose of his will. In other words, God has a destination for everybody. It was set before they were born. And that destination is, is was set. That's why it's called it a pre 
destination. Pre means before. Destination means the end. So God set your end before he began your life. He set it. Then he says, he predestined you according to the plan of him that works out everything to conform to his will. God has a plan to get you where you're supposed to get to. Mm. But you may not follow that plan. Even if you don't follow the plan. Oh, by the way, God never tells you the plan, okay? God will show you your vision, but never tell you how you're going to get there. And there's a reason why. Because your vision is a glimpse of your end. Between the end and where you are is called the plan. The plan is the process that takes you to your destination. God will tell you your end, like he showed Joseph. He showed Joseph the, the throne. Mm. He's sitting on the throne, ruling, feeding his brothers. That's the end. God showed you your end. He showed each one of you your end. Everybody got a dream. But he never tells you the plan. Why? Because if he ever told you the plan, you would tell him, forget the destination. Because the plan is to prepare you for the destination. Right. So he takes you to all these different changes to develop you. If Joseph knew that he had to go through a pit and prison to get to that throne, he'd tell God, forget the throne. That's right. So your plan is secret to God. Right now where you are may not be where you want to be, but it's a part of the plan. If you lost your house or you lost your spouse yeah, or, uh, or a baby died, don't, don't panic. It's all part of the process. God's working on character development, patience development, mm -hmm. vision development. He's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And so you need to appreciate that even your mistakes, he says, he'll conform them to fulfill the purpose. So if you went off course, if you made a mistake, you got pregnant or wedlock, or you maybe backslid, or maybe you never knew the Lord, you did maybe on drugs or in prison, whatever. God's good news is he's going to use all those mistakes and conform them back in to take you to your destination. All right, all right, okay. You can. <laughs> I wish he would. I wish he would just. Uh, it's hard. I was. It's hard for me to laugh. I wish he would just like shave that middle portion. Of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got one little island just hanging on. It is just refusing to give up. The topographic. He's just, just uh. battling, battling against time, perseverance of the hair. And if he just shave it off, he'd kind of look like Mister T. A little bit. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You can tell his pastoral, his pastoral counsel. If you've had, if you've lost a child, don't panic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. So I, there's a little bit of the, uh, because we've, we've talked a little bit about, well, we'll talk a little bit about how it can, it can be interpreted as, there's nothing but good, like health and wealth and right. prosperity. So there, there's been a little bit of a pullback on that. So he's still talking about, well, it could be painful. It could be a, mm -hmm. a difficult process. What is this? You sent me this with uh, Priscilla Shire. Yeah, it's Priscilla want, Shire. Just, we can't Priscilla know. Shire. This is yeah, uh, Tony, this is Tony Evans' daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you're gonna have to fast forward it, maybe through about halfway through. Just pull it. How long is this video? I don't, I don't know how long it is. You can, I can play the whole thing. It's 59 seconds. Okay. Right. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right. Let's, let's go. Do you have a Mike, that Mike Pence video? I do. Okay. Yeah, we'll watch that next. All right. <clears throat> he goes before you. He paves the way for you. He makes provisions for you for problems you don't even know you have yet. He is already steps ahead of you preparing the way. This is his providence. 
sovereignty is that he shakes nations, but he does not just shake nations. He does not just move the hearts and ways of kings and queens. Providence is that he whispers and he orchestrates and he realigns and he sets up the details of our life. Providence is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Trust me with the details of your day. Trust me with the details of your week, this season of your life that seems overwhelming or more than you can stand. Trust that my providence is the connective tissue that ties together the details of your life with my sovereign plans. That you are a part of kingdom purposes, the likes of which you cannot even imagine. He goes be all right. Uh, one, uh, one more uh, here. This is uh, this is Mike Pence. All right, this is Mike Pence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we couldn't find the clip, but Mike Pence came and spoke at the SBC. Mm-hmm. It was the one and only SBC I ever attended. Yes, conference. You were there with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and sometime during his talk, he he quotes this. To the to the Southern Baptist Convention yeah, in the context of the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't find it. Yeah. All right, here's uh, this is an interview that he gave with CBN News. You have the Bible verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven uh, on the mantle of every home that you guys have had. Tell me about the significance of that verse, especially as it relates to your life and and the Lord wanting your life to prosper, but coming after what was a rough time at the end of that administration on January 6th. How do you kind of see that Jeremiah 29, 11 living out? Well, as I wrote in my book, my early efforts in politics um, were not successful and they were fraught with disappointment. I had run for Congress when Ronald Reagan was still in the White House. And candidly, David, even though I'd put my faith in Christ as a college student, in my late 20s as a candidate, I allowed my ambition to overrun my values. I ran campaigns that when they were all over, I really wasn't proud of it. Um, Not because I'd lost, but because I feel like I'd, I'd lost my way. I hadn't lived up to the requirements of my faith, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, treat others the way you want to be treated. And, um, and so in the years that followed, I thought politics might be in the past, but when it came back around for us with three small children and we just built our dream home and I was, I was uh, working in a job that I loved in radio and in television back in Indiana. Um, but for us, that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, became a lodestar because it was, uh, it was a place that we could ground in the faith that, that uh, while our plans had been different early on and, and we'd run into some, some bumps in the road and disappointments that, as the Bible says, God tells us, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. Mm-hmm. And when my wife <clears throat> gave me that verse in that very first campaign back in 2000, it's, it's graced the mantle of, our, of every home from which we've served uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. and in the state of Indiana, and it's, it's over the mantle in my study hmm. back in Indiana today. <clears throat> okay, so the way that um, this, uh, this, this verse is usually used is personal. Yeah, yeah. Like God's got a plan for you, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's... And a good one. And a good one. That yeah, with like, like, like with like 
material prosperity, mm-hmm. you know, the way Americans would view a prosperous, good life. Right. That's always in the background. So that's that's one interpretation. Now, I've got one more video I want to show that swings the other direction. Okay. And then I'll be done with videos, and I'll just let you talk the rest of the time. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it's often applied by people like Pence to the nation as a whole. Like, right. Like for America. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. Yeah. All yeah, right. This so is, this one swings the other this way. Is one, this is one more video. This is uh, Frank Turek uh, from Cross-Examined. Fr- uh, Frank Turek is an apologist. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, he's orthodox. Is he a Molinist? I I'm not sure. I cannot remember if he's a Molinist. If he is, that's that's bonkers, but... Anyway, yeah, I mean, Molinist people—they should just say, yeah. I mean, we have a philosophy, mm-hmm. right? It's—it's <laughs> right. it's really more of a philosophy than uh-huh. theology. Yeah. Uh, but that Molinism doesn't have anything to play into this. Um, he's ta- he talks about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and uh, he gets pretty fired up about it. It does, yeah. So here we go. Uh. Uh, turn the volume up. There we go. Okay. Ooh. How can I? How can I read the Bible? And that my own morals are not going to be corrupted, and where I'm twisting and manipulating the, uh, the scriptures for my own my own benefit. Yeah, that's a very insightful question, Anthony, because we we can all tend to do that. We just taught a course, uh, or it's actually being aired aired on our TV show right now, called "How to Interpret Your Bible." And uh, very briefly, there's 12 lessons in this course, but let me just give you a core of it, with an acronym: STOP. S T O P. First thing you have to do if you're, uh, and this, this doesn't just apply to the Bible, it could apply to any text. You have to figure out what the situation is. That's what the S stands for. What's going on in the text? We just can't take one verse out and make it say what we want it to say. So we've got to figure out what the situation is. The T stands for what type of literature is this? Is this poetry? Is this straight historical prose? Is this a parable? Is this a gospel? Is this prophecy? What is this? Because we'll interpret it differently based on the type of literature or literary devices. Is there a metaphor in there? Is this hyperbole? What is it, right? The O stands for who is the object of the passage? Is the object of the passage us today, or is the object of the passage someone in ancient Israel? Uh, for example, I know Christians love the verse uh, from uh, Jeremiah 29:11. Oh, the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Now I'm going to make a lot of enemies here tonight. That verse has nothing to do with you. Unless you're 2,600 years old and you're still living under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Because that verse was written to the exiles, the object of the passage, uh, in Babylon. It has nothing to do with Christians today. I always ask Christians, if you're going to quote Jeremiah 29.11, why don't you quote Jeremiah 44.11? You see, Jeremiah 29.11 was written to the exiles in Babylon Jeremiah 44.11 was written to the exiles in Egypt, and God told those people, don't go to Egypt. You know what 44.11 says? I will destroy you. (laughs) Nobody, you'd never see that stitched into a pillow, right? (laughs) (laughs) You never see that on a Christian greeting card. Happy birthday. I will destroy you. (laughs) Jeremiah 44.11. Oh, isn't that so sweet? Thank you, Grandma. And the P stands for, is this prescriptive or descriptive? Because quite frequently, you read something, and you have to make sure that it's not just descriptive rather than prescriptive. Oh, David committed adultery. Look at all the evil in the Bible. 
look at all the evil. Yeah, well, it's just a description of what happened, which is one reason that I think they're telling the truth. They're not hiding any of their sins. So situation, type of literature, object, is it prescriptive or descriptive? There's the whole All right. So well, what do you, what, the, 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 that's a, that's all right, uh, yeah. acronym. Yeah. Uh, situation, type of literature, mm. uh, the object, and is it prescriptive? Right. Yeah, let's turn that back down. Cracking. Where your ear? Were they popping? Mine, I think mine are going out. Maybe uh, a couple pops. Uh, so there's the there's the other side. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is not about you. Mm. It has nothing, and that and he 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 makes it an absolute that has nothing to do with you at all. All right. So there's the there on the one side. There's the the. This is about you personally. Mm -hmm. God has a plan for you to prosper you. And then on the other side, I think people can go too far right. and say this has absolutely nothing to do with you at all. Mm -hmm. So given the given the uh, kind of the, the landscape of how people interpret this passage, how should we how should we interpret it? That's the question today. Yeah, um, so you start in the chapter, move out from the chapter, understand the nature of the covenant it's in, what's going on in the covenant, are there promises here, as well as this, uh, with the rest of what's going on to the people it's written to, and then how are those promises fulfilled in Christ, and now because we are in Christ, how can we make an application of this text? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the way in which you should approach it. So, I think I think um, people that make this just about us personally and someone like Frank Turek, I've, I've seen some other videos, this is not about you. Right. Um, I think they both make, they, they tend towards the same error, and that's to read this mm. um, just just here. They, they right. just read the either the verse by itself, or they just read the chapter by itself, mm -hmm. and they don't fit it into the big, the big story of, right. of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So, of course... As he says, as Turk says, this is about people living under Nebuchadnezzar's rule, meaning Judah has been taken into captivity. And kind of a little bit more of the context to this passage is in chapter 28, there's a false prophet who makes a false prophecy that it's not too bad. Um, God, has God has destroyed the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. You'll only be in captivity for two years, mm -hmm. so you're going to come out in two years. And he's using language like a prophet would try to use, right? So these are the, that's the other things we need to keep it into consideration, is that this, res this written response is kind of to that false prophecy. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah has already prophesied before this that they're going to be in exile for 70 years. For 70 years. Right. And so here comes a false prophet saying, no, it's only going to be, you know, two years. So you start reading chapter 29, um, and when you begin at the beginning, you you can't miss who this is written to. It's written to those people. So I believe this letter maybe even comes to Nebuchadnezzar, right? And it's for Nebuchadnezzar to pass on to the people? Um, I think it's to the elders. It's to the elders and the exile. Yeah, yeah. 
It's sent to the surviving elders of the exile and to the priest and the prophets. And, and they send the it to Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon in, chapter, in verse 3. So the letter is not private. Uh-huh. Right? It's to be read in the presence of everyone. And this is where God makes his promise. And so what he tells them to do when they're in exile is to like continue on their life. Like get married, have children, plant vineyards, grow crops, and pray for the Babylonians so that they would prosper. Have have children, multiply there, and do not decrease. Yeah. That's verse six. Because the prosperity of that nation will mean their prosperity. Then he then comes the promise uh, of twenty nine eleven, right? That that God, and it's you know, it's more, I guess, colorful maybe than in other other text other than the ESV. But the ESV captures it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So, um, what's interesting to think about it is the people who got this. It's really for like their kids, because if you're an adult and you're here in captivity, you're probably not going to live to even see this, right? Your your kids and your grandkids are going to be the ones who can claim that verse, that after 70 years in exile, God will bring us back to our land, and we're going to prosper again. So the original recipients even... Like they would have to pass it on to their children. Um, they couldn't even claim it directly for themselves. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. They could in a way that God's promises will be fulfilled to my children, but they're going to die in exile. Right. That's interesting to think about, I think. Mm-hmm. So the way it's even used by a lot of Christians today, per- that personal deal, like they couldn't directly apply it to material prosperity and... You know, freedom mm-hmm. from freedom from enslavement, <clears throat> the guarantee of go back to go back there. They couldn't even claim that for themselves. That that was for their kids and their grandkids. Yeah. So that's interesting to to make note of. I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to read verses ten through fourteen uh, because the language there is not original to Jeremiah. Uh, it says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm-hmm. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is uh, this is Moses's language. It's Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's it's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter four. Um, several times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses. It's very. I'm reluctant to say pessimistic. It's a realist, I guess. He's right. realistic. Yeah. Uh, Moses prophesies several times that after he dies, um, they're going to. They're going to rebel against God. They're going to sin. They're going to be. They're going to become idolaters, and they're going to go into exile. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says in Deuteronomy chapter four, um, verse twenty-six. It says, "I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess." 
You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that is the same language that Jeremiah is, is using here. He's simply writing a, a letter to them to remind them of the covenant promises. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's God, taken in this broader context of so, God's covenant. So God has made a promise with, with the people of Israel um, to bring them into the land. Um, he establishes this covenant. It's a covenant of works. If you mm-hmm. do this, you'll you'll stay in the land. If you if you disobey, you'll be exiled. But within it, there's this promise of grace mm-hmm. that when they go into exile, God will still bring them back. He'll bring right. them back into the land, and what they couldn't do for themselves, He'll do for them. Right. Um, and so Moses tells them to circumcise the foreskin of their hearts. Yeah, and then he talks about them going into exile, and then he promises that when they come back, God will f- circumcise yeah. the foreskin of their right. hearts. He'll he'll actually do for them what they couldn't do for themselves. Yeah, and so it's in that it's in the context of this bigger this bigger story that begins back uh, really back in Genesis that we're supposed to read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and so it's not just an individual, well. I know that you, uh-huh. um, Jonathan, are in exile, but remember, God's got a plan for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to what, what Moses wrote, and in, in he writes some, similar in, in chapter 30, and that's where he brings up at the end after he says these, that God will... Cir- like, after they come back from the exile and God gathers them, he'll circumcise their heart. So if we're... If we're good theologians and we remember things from our Bible, we can go search out in the Old Testament the other places where it says that God will circumcise people's hearts. And then we have our link to the New Covenant Mm -hmm. and Christ and His coming and His fulfilling of the Old Covenant and all these promises that God made to these people. I don't know if you're aware of this, Jay, but Jeremiah 29 has... Jeremiah thirty one just yeah, uh, just a few chapters later and there's the new covenant like we're, we you you see this promise and how is it going to be fulfilled what the question is what is the good what mm-hmm. is the good that God has promised for Israel mm-hmm. is it just that they will have material blessings that right. they yeah you're going through a hard time right now but God's going to bring you through right well like you said a lot of these a lot of these people that receive this letter are going to die in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're not going to have ma- any kind of material blessing, mm-hmm. not in the way that they maybe would would hope. Not not the way that a lot of people yeah. interpret Jeremiah twenty nine. Yeah, not the way Americans interpret it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's easy to see if if you just read. Like, even if you like, man, I, I don't know my Old Testament that well as you guys, but even if you just read the chapter through, 
then you understand who it's written to mm-hmm. directly. Right. And so then you can know, like, maybe I ought not to, you know, write this on my shoe <laughs> when I'm getting ready to play soccer, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it has anything to do with that. Is um, this the is this the uh, Philippians four thirteen of the Old Testament? Is that, I guess is that it is. Saying? I think it. I think it might be. And, and it so and it definitely does not have anything to do with the United States, right? The way that it will be used, and I, I've seen that used by many preachers mm. regarding the United States, politicians. Mike Pence isn't the only one, you know, um, quoting that to the SBC, and you know. In light of a coming election, mm. doesn't have to do with the United States, mm. right? Um, it has to do with God's covenant promises that He made to these people, mm. and those are preserved. We know, looking now backwards, as we should, in view of Christ's coming, that these are ultimately fulfilled in the coming of Christ mm. and His new covenant, where God does circumcise the heart. Um, so a better, I mean, a better verse, like if you're really, you know, it's, it's, we go to Romans, like, but it just doesn't hit in that materialistic way. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think for the remnant that they would have been interpreting it in a materialistic way. I think, again, if you, if you are familiar with the language of your Bible and you can start, you can start picking up on some of these things. So when you hear Jeremiah 29, start talking about you'll call to me and I'll hear you if you if you you know search for me with all your heart that language should immediately cause you to stop and say I've, I've heard that somewhere before mm-hmm. even if you don't know exactly where it is that's what a good concordance can do or any bible app you can search you can do keyword searches and yeah. and see where where is this um so I don't, I don't think the rim that would have interpreted it that way i think they would have interpreted it as the covenant promises that god's made to israel that that stretches back to abraham and we know from you know hebrews 11 that abraham wasn't interpreting these promises in a materialistic way because um, he knew that god had promised to him and to his offspring the land Um, he died without ever possessing any of the land and um, he he knew through faith that he was looking for something beyond just material. He was mm-hmm. looking for something better. Um, and I, I think the remnant would have been doing that also. So when they're hearing that God has this purpose for them, I think. Uh, and again, Jeremiah is at the he's he's at the tail end of most of the prophets. So they've got all these prophecies. What are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the believing remnant. What what's the believing remnant looking for? They're, they're looking. They're for looking the for the Messiah, right? And so I think that when they hear something like, "I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to not not to harm you, and to pr- plans to give you hope in the future," I think they would have been at least at least the, the small group. Yeah, I think they would have said. This is messianic, this is not, yeah. That the exile is not the end because God has promised that the Messiah is going to come and save us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so the the like you said, those those purposes are fulfilled in Christ. The, those plans are fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, given that, um, I think we need to strike a balance between these two 
mm -hmm. types of interpretations that we we've kind of seen in these these verses that it's not just this uh you may have some hard times but god's got a purpose for you here in this you know yeah uh or this other this other interpretation that says Jeremiah 29 11 doesn't have anything to do with you yeah like there's nothing there's there's no there's no point of contact mm -hmm. between this verse and you right and I, I think we have to reject that also yeah because of Christ yeah. because of the the, the purposes and, and plans of God that are fulfilled in Jesus right yeah you know people will use this uh, verse as we said in this personal way and they really almost miss out on the on the greater personal application that I think can be made because they may think, well, if, if this, if we say this is just for them in this sense and whatever, well, you've kind of taken the air out of this verse for me and it, it's not special. It's not special anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's not uplifting to me because people love to have those little verses that can really, uh -huh. you know, right. breathe wind into their sails. Mm -hmm. um, but consider the greater the greater benefit of the verse, that you can look at this verse and what can you know about God? God is first and foremost a promise-keeping God. He always keeps his promises despite his people's disobedience to him. They may be covenant breakers, but God will never break his covenant. He will always do what he says. And God is a just God. Um, so if you struggle to see the world around you and the evil and the wickedness, we can look at this verse and say, God does not leave the guilty unpunished. He is always just. Um, and then we can look and see how he did fulfill that promise, know that he's a promise-keeping God and that Christ came. Right? And then now that we are in the covenant, we can take that and then apply that to ourselves because God has made promises to us in the new covenant, mm -hmm. right? that he'll never, he's never going to throw us away that Christ has made real satisfaction on our behalf, that we are actually reconciled to God, and that God will ultimately give us eternal life. God promises eternal life, but yet it's as if we are exiles in a foreign land right now. Mm. Right? We, and we're called that. All throughout the New Testament, we are known as exiles and strangers in a foreign land. Um, and so we very much live, no matter where you live on planet Earth, you are living in Babylon. And But we have promises, and we know God will fulfill them because he's already kept all of them. And so we know that even though we live as strangers and exiles, and maybe we don't have material prosperity, maybe we suffer, maybe we're going through injustice even, um, that this isn't the end, right? God will ultimately fulfill this promised land vision in a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, and so we can, we can, with hope, look forward to God's future promises of eternal life. Um, and so Jeremiah 29, 11 can become a really a good blessing to you if you kind of look at it through that lens of God and who he is and how he has acted and what he has promised to do for us. Um, yeah, I think that if we read this verse in its context, understanding how it fits into the narrative of the Old Testament and how it's fulfilled in Christ, I think Jeremiah 29, 11 becomes the Romans 8, 28 of the Old Testament. Right. That we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that, that sounds a lot like Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. But again, another verse that can be taken out of context to yeah. mean that 
you're not going to have suffering. Right. Or even if you have suffering, it's all going to work out you mm-hmm. know, in the end, mm-hmm. in this life. Right. And that's not the good that Paul talks about. He, he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate good is conformity to the image of Christ. Yeah. God's God's making us into uh copies of Jesus. Yes. Which um, is the name of our is, podcast, George. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Where did we get that name? I don't know. <laughs> uh so it's um the the so the good, the good is so much better than anything that we could possibly imagine right for ourselves yeah um and it's the same with jeremiah twenty nine eleven. the 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 good that god has purpose for his people is ultimately to be like jesus mm-hmm. yeah so we don't have to um we don't have to jettison jeremiah twenty nine eleven as if well you you have to be a babylonian exile in order for this to be right to have any meaning for you right uh, we we are we have to see how the Old and New Testament fits together. Mm-hmm. There, even though there's a couple of blank pages in between Malachi and Matthew, uh, they they fit together. They they still are telling the story. Mm-hmm. The people of God are still in exile. They're still the people of God in exile. Does God have good purposes for us? Right. Romans eight twenty eight tells us that that He does. But what is that good? Mm-hmm. The good is to be conformed to Christ, mm-hmm. and so whether you have material blessings or not, whether things work out or not, whether you have a uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, happy American dream yeah. um, life. Uh, if you are trusting in Christ, then God does have a good purpose for you. Yeah. He is going to glorify all the saints. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's, that's really good news. It is. So yeah. that, there's Jeremiah 29, 11 yeah. for you. So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it's not about the American dream. It's about the Christian dream. That's <laughs> right. Huh? Yeah. That's it. It's uh it's the New Jerusalem dream. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I opened it so you get to close it. What are we doing next? Uh any idea? I don't know. What what we got we've talked li- about we got a few. A li- we got a list. We got a list. Yeah. Hey, if there's any verses that uh that you want us to cover comment yeah comment on the video yeah drop drop a comment yeah, drop a comment tell us if there's one that uh i don't know people use out of context that really grinds your gears <laughs> <that it? laughs> all right all right and i don't know maybe next time a puppet will join us who knows <laughs> all right well that was sharing my 29 11 for you hopefully it's been um helpful beneficial encouraging to you uh to to understand how this verse fits into the overarching story of redemption and how it applies to Christians. Um, If it has, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, Make sure to download the uh, Christ Fellowship Church of Lawton uh, app. You can find that in uh, the iTunes or the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. I don't know. Everywhere. 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 So, all right. Well, we will see you next time. Until then, God bless.